Well, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, this is a little bit of an, an odd uh, morning for you and probably a little bit different for me as well. I'm sitting in the room we usually meet in with, or I'm standing in the room with uh, nobody here uh, except our filmer, our videographer, Josh, and myself. But um, I'm actually uh, today getting ready to watch the sixth game of the World Series. So I can't say that I miss you guys one bit. But anyways, uh, because we started the teaching on this chart, I wanted to go ahead and see if I can make this video to keep moving on with the chart that we started. And then that way we're not losing any ground. So I'm gonna do my best to act like you're here. And uh, there's some of you that I'm gonna try not to remember, but others I'm gonna try to remember. I know where you sit. So I'm gonna try to remember uh, that you're listening to me and we're gonna keep teaching. So with that, let me pray with you and, um, and then we'll get started. So Father, I do pray for these guys. As awkward as this might seem or weird as this might seem for them, even as I'm filming it on a Monday, knowing they're going to watch on a Wednesday, would you open their eyes to see wonderful things, open our eyes to see wonderful things from your word and uh, continue to teach us what it means to walk with you and not to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. In Jesus name. Amen. So I'm going to ask you to go ahead and open your Bibles to uh, Hebrews chapter three, Hebrews chapter three. And let me remind you of the passage of scripture that um, we really launched off from and also the idea that um, if we're not careful, we might miss really some of the wonder of what God has for us. So I'm going to pick up reading in verse 12 of chapter three. It says, take care, brothers. You could put take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that would lead you to fall away from the living God. And remember, as you, as you continue to read this passage, um, unbelief is what leads to disobedience. It's, it's not disobedience leading to unbelief. It's always a lack of belief, which is a lack of faith. Faith is always on an object of our trust. And that causes us to disobey. Then he says in verse 13, but exhort one another every day, encourage one another, literally prod each other along as long as it is called today, so right now, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now I'm going to go ahead and go to the board. And, and what we talked about, just remember uh, as we begin here, every need that you have is a legitimate need that God has created inside of you. And, and some of those needs have categories. Um, like for instance, uh, you want security in your life. And I'm going to write these things over here. Some of this is review. And you want to know with that security comes, what can I trust? Who can I trust? Really, more importantly. And so that causes you oftentimes to question the faithfulness of who God is. Uh, other needs that we have are needs related to identity. And these identity issues... Um, cause us to do different things and question things about the Lord and about what he's doing as well. So we have identity issues. Uh, we have competence issues. Sometimes we want to be more competent in areas. So we act certain ways, but we all have legitimate needs God has created within our lives. Remember what I told you the last time we were together. The enemy comes at you at legitimate needs and he comes at you at legitimate needs in order to try to get you to question that God is faithful in your life. So let's, let's go back where we were the last time we were together. And, and I would ask you just to fill in the blanks here on the issues you face, the trials you face, um, the temptations that you face. 
Uh, I'll fill in some of those. It might be a relationship. It might be, um, it, it goes in line with relationship, but there might be a person at work uh, that's really pushing your buttons. There might be a test or a trial in your relationship at home. Uh, there might be a physical issue that you're facing. Any number of things. There are one of two directions you can take in the face of every issue you're going to come against today. The one that we're going to come back to in a week is the decision that's going to lead to growth. The one that we started on the last time we were together was this path that really leads to sin. And as soon as, as soon as you and I begin to take this downward path that leads to the spiral we've already talked about, we're already walking in sin. Because sin is not stealing cookies from the cookie jar. Remember, sin is me trying to satisfy legitimate needs outside of the sufficiency of who God is. So remember, and I'll put up on the board real quickly what we talked about. One of the first things we do is we base our conclusions on what I see, what I want, and what I think I deserve. And I didn't make these up. They're right out of 1 John Chapter 2, verse 16. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Let me move this over here. So, as soon as, for instance, let me, we joked about this issue, and I've been teaching this to the seniors. Um, I talked about my wife being out of town, and then she was in the, out of the country for a while, and I've talked about that the last couple of days. And all of us guys know what it's like when you're, if you're married and your wives are out of town and you're anticipating them coming home, sometimes you develop in your mind an opinion of what it's supposed to be like as soon as she gets home. And I think you kind of know what I'm talking about. And it's more than just a sexual issue for some of us. But anyways, you, you, you kind of already have this idea of what the homecoming is going to be like or how everybody's going to treat each other. So you think you deserve a particular homecoming, or let's even make it a work issue. You've done a great job at work. You've made money for the company and you think you deserve a certain reward. You want a certain reward. You've even seen certain things. And this automatically begins to turn our trust to a person, even the person we're married to, rather than faithfulness and trust to the Lord, knowing he is teaching us and growing us for our own good. And so we see it, we want it, we deserve it. And automatically, within a few moments time, we don't start getting what we think we deserve. And so we begin this sort of sin spiral or this death spiral that sometimes leads to arguments, sometimes leads to a, a terrible first night at home or a bad issue at work. And, and I'll show you how the rest of this works. Because all of this can happen very, very, very quickly. As soon as we leave the I see, I want, or I think I deserve, we, we move right into blame. And it really doesn't matter what order you put these in. Eve did this immediately. Remember, Eve blamed the serpent and then Adam blamed the woman. Nothing's changed in a long time. And so we blame people. There's a story in the Old Testament. Let me see if I can give you the passage. It is in, um, well, it's 1 Samuel chapter 15. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11 is also a place. But 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, King Saul blames the people for a sin that he participated in. And so you, you just start blaming people. And then you can just keep going around the circle. And this last part that we talked about is you start guarding, you start protecting, 
and you start defending. Now, how this works itself out is really, um, we start protecting my rights. Uh, I start defending what I think is mine. And I start guarding my heart and my mind to keep you out. Let me, let me tell you where you see this most often. This, this, um, this little part right here is where you gather your friends around you. And, 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 and you say, well, you know what? Let me tell you what happened to me. And your friends start saying, well, you know what? You're exactly right. Uh, you, you should defend your rights. You, you should protect yourself. You should guard yourself. And it just feeds this, this circle. You know what? You do deserve better. And, and you know what? We see your circumstance. And you know what? We're going to blame we're going to blame your entire office for everything that's wrong and that's happening to you. And you know what? You should probably blame your dad for the way you are today. And you should probably blame your mother. And all these things happen. Now, let me clarify real quick, because in reality, there may not be an action that you see outside of yourself with this happening. This can happen in the car. This can happen when you get cut off at the loop. This can happen at the airport when your flight gets delayed, that you immediately, an issue comes into your life and you start spinning this thing very, very quick. I once heard someone say that one mark of maturity in the life of a follower of Jesus is that they recognize this cycle quicker as they grow. And that's true. Now that doesn't give you permission to get down in this cycle. But the quicker you realize you're down here, the quicker you can self-correct and get yourself onto a path of growth. So I'm just going to, let me say it again. You can get in this thing pretty quick. The question is, how quick do you get out of it? So let me keep taking you through this thing. Oftentimes what happens is you start running around in this circle and and I'm not going to have room on this board, so I'll flip it here in just a minute. I better make sure there's nothing on the other side. Someone could do something. And so what happens is if you're not careful, you start running in this circle, then you start pursuing what you think will bring you greater satisfaction. Remember, this is all about being satisfied. You either find your satisfaction in the Lord and his plan, or you find your satisfaction outside the Lord in your plan. That's why when we use the phrase, he is more committed to my joy than I am, I either believe that and walk in his path or I don't. So I begin pursuing what I think will bring me joy, what I think will bring me security, what I think will bolster my identity. And so that whole process takes place. Where we see this most often in marriages is where couples, something happens that causes them especially to think they deserve something better from their mate or in their mate, happens at work as well. And if you're not certain that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, like for instance at work, or if you're not certain about relationships, you'll start, and I call this dancing on the edges. You'll start flirting, well, dancing on the edges. You'll start flirting with danger. And this is where the children of Israel started getting hardened, okay? You can spin here and it's going to lead to hardening like a callus because you're going, to, you're going to keep hardening the Spirit's work in your life. And you'll start pursuing and pursuing can be glances, um, 
Pursuing can be meditating on other opportunities, so to speak. And you'll start pursuing what you think will bring you satisfaction. Now, this is another place where if, if you're growing in the Lord, you'll catch yourself rather quickly and you can, the Bible calls it repent. And Acts chapter three, verse 19, actually is a great verse to remember. It says, repent and return so that times of refreshing might come. So, so what happens is, if you catch yourself, and I would even begin to make this a part of my prayer life, Father, I do not want to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin because the enemy knows how to harden you. He knows how to get at you. He's, he's been keeping track of you your entire life. So he knows your weak spots. He knows your strengths. So he knows where to press these buttons, just like he knew where to press the children of Israel in food and in water and in trust. The children of Israel always said, you bring us out here to die, all this kind of stuff. He knows your stuff. He knows if you have trust issues. He knows if you have uh, issues with having too little or too much. He knows if you have, well, he knows your issues. I'm not going to try to make up your issues. So he can, he can kind of tick away in this area knowing that it'll probably send you off. And then when you get to this next stage of pursuing, go back to the story of Adam and Eve. She saw, she wanted, she thought she deserved. That led her, the enemy already caused her to kind of blame the Lord for her not knowing what she thought she should know. So she started pursuing the fruit. All along, even reaching up or however she got the fruit, there was an opportunity to repent and return. And gentlemen, you have an opportunity today and all throughout this day to repent and return. And, and that's not a repentance and a returning where the Lord's going to say, why do you keep screwing up? But it's a repentance and a returning that takes you back to life. You've got to catch yourself here or you've got to catch yourself here. And where I counsel men and even women and couples so many times where they end up getting to that place, they go, I can't believe I did that is they don't realize how dangerous the edge is. If you've raised children and they've grown up, you remember watching your kids going through struggles where they would, they would dance on the edge and you tried to protect and you tried to protect, but maybe they stepped over the edge. All kinds of things that happened. Now let me flip the board because your chart's gonna continue. So I'm gonna flip the board and we will, well, watch this. So, once you pursue, if you're not careful, let's just fill in the, the rest of the blanks. So you can pursue. And then if you don't catch yourself and there's not a repentance and a return. Now, remember, you're still spinning in that original spin. This is always taking place because all it's doing is re-energizing itself. It's like a flywheel. It's like a flywheel of, of I see, I want, I think I deserve. I'm guarding, protecting, defending, I'm blaming, I'm pursuing. It's just gathering momentum. Hebrews 3 calls it hardening. And it's like a, every, every moment that you don't repent and return, another layer of skin grows over that sensitive heart, that heart that, that is not of stone, but a flesh heart, a, a sensitive heart The scriptures talk about. 
So you become more hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The longer you stay in the desert thinking you deserve better, remember the children of Israel, the harder you get, then one day you're at the edge of the the land of promise and you miss the whole thing. So what happens? Well, you give in. And giving in, you know, giving in is, is defined by the action you take thinking it's going to give you the return you thought you deserved, but in the end comes up empty. And that's always the case when you give in to sin, when you give in to an adulterous relationship, when you give in to to revenge. You, You get to the other side and you go, wow, that did not satisfy me the way I thought that was going to satisfy me. That's always the case. Or it may not even be something as as public as the things I mentioned. It may just be a struggle you keep struggling with and you keep giving in. And every time you give in, you turn around and go, that did not satisfy me. Except, and there's one exception. It's not really an exception, but it's it's a line on your chart. And I want to show it to you real quick. You can write the word satisfaction. Okay. And, and let, me, let me give you this word. It's a season, okay? I got a little bit ahead of myself, but, but there is a very brief season of satisfaction when you satisfy your legitimate need illegitimately in sin. And, and that can be, you know, 10 seconds of, yeah, I got what I thought I deserved. Or it could last for a little bit, but it doesn't last for long because you immediately realize we've missed it. Now, now go back to the children of Israel. When the 12 spies came back from Canaan, two of them said, we can go in. 10 said, there's no way. So they refused to walk into the land of promise. Do you remember what happened? What happened was God said, you're not, none of you are going in except Caleb and Joshua. The rest of you are not going in. Here's what the children of Israel did. They spun around right here and what they thought they deserved and blaming and guarding and defending. They had an opportunity to walk into the promised land, but they pursued what they wanted. They gave in to their own doubts. They were hardened. And there was a season of satisfaction that we got what we wanted, but they turned around immediately when God said, you're not going to go in. And they tried to fight the battle on their own and they were destroyed. So there was a season of satisfaction, but it led to their destruction. So let me take you... uh, to the final one, which is reaping. So you reap what you sow. Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. Now be careful here because Galatians 6, 4 says, if you sow to the flesh, you reap flesh or death. Okay? If you sow to the Spirit, from the Spirit you reap and that's life. What I, what I want to be careful of here is this is just a law that says if you sow to your own satisfaction based on your own desires, it's going to come up empty. That's death. That doesn't necessarily mean we're going to put you in your coffin, but it's not going to give you life. But if you begin to say, dear Lord, I want to begin to learn how to sow to my life. You sow to the spirit. You reap from the spirit. And you have life. Now, when we get to the top of the chart, we'll show you what this means. But you'll always reap. This is that whole process. This whole process. When you pursue and you dance on the edges and you don't repent and return, then you give in. Once you get past this 
kind of line, it's over. You're, you're going to be in this role right here. And you have a brief season of satisfaction. And then you reap what you have sown. Now, here's, here's what's tragic. That you see a little arrow on your chart right here. here here's the worst part about it. You're going to start over. You will start over. And let me, let me tell you what that means. Watch this. So the enemy is coming at you at legitimate needs, okay? He knows where to push buttons, so to speak, in your life. He knows the issues that cause you to doubt the sufficiency of Christ. God is always trying to show you how he's sufficient. Okay, take, just stop with me for just a second. Remember James chapter 1. James chapter 1 says, Count it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect work so that you might be complete and perfect in every way that the Lord is fashioning in you. So every issue that comes into your life has the potential to grow you or derail you. And not permanently, but the word will stick. Every issue that comes into your life has the potential to grow you or derail you. You get down here, there's an area for you to grow in. The enemy knows the Lord wants you to grow, so he's going to try to get you to spin. God's trying to teach you something about himself, about you, and about others through your issue. And so now there's another direction to go. We haven't gotten there yet, but what happens is, remember, let me, let me back up. Legitimate issues, legitimate needs, areas for growth. But if you start spinning down here and you don't understand the Lord is trying to grow you and you're being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, you spin, you pursue, you give in, you're satisfied, you reap, and then you go right back down here and you start over at a legitimate need again that you have not learned to satisfy in the spirit. I'm going to give you a harsh example. I meet people over and over and over again who have been married three and four times, five times. I meet men and women who have had new job after new job after new job after new job. I meet people over and over and over again who just cycle through friendships. I meet people who have to have a new car and a new house all the time. I meet people who are taking up new hobbies all the time. In other words, there's, there's a trail of carnage behind them. And that trail of carnage is a result of them. I'm sorry I keep flipping this board, but it just have to. It's a result of legitimate needs coming into their lives, but them not learning or understanding God is trying to grow them. And they end up down here spinning in their entire life, whether it be friendships, jobs, relationships, whatever it is, they spin down here. They pursue outside of the plan and the purpose of God. They're hardened right here. They give in. They have a season of satisfaction. They reap what they have sown and over and over and over again, they find the same issues coming back. Every time you meet somebody that says the following, I keep running into this issue. This problem keeps coming up in my life. This, this weed keeps popping up in the garden of my life. The reason for that is they're on the downside 
of this chart. And that's what's happening in their lives. So let me, um, let me stop at that. And I'm going to go ahead. We've got, we got a little bit of time left. And I'm going to try to start taking you to the top of the chart. So let me take you to the top of the chart real quick, which is going to mean I'm going to have to erase some of this. So um, bear with me here. So I've been telling you this entire time there are two paths that you can take. And um, so the bottom one is where we spend most of our time with people. Oftentimes in counseling, this chart is the first thing we bring out because it's, it kind of reveals things pretty quickly. Let me, um, let me put that up again that I just erased. Every issue that comes into your life has the potential to grow you or derail you. Um, I'll use a, a softer word, hinder, or maybe even the idea of set you back. The reason I want to be careful here is because if you spin around at the bottom, this does not mean you lose your salvation or anything like that. It, it just means you're, as a matter of fact, I heard a person say this, you never move past the last place you obeyed the Lord. So this is a path of disobedience. That's why you start over because the Lord intends to teach you something out of a legitimate need. The enemy is looking to derail you in a legitimate need. So God is gracious enough and he has so designed you that if you don't learn he still wants to re redeem what the enemy has stolen. And so you start right back up and the Lord allows, orchestrates and ordains issues in your life because there's still something he wants you to learn. Write this down. He wants you to learn something about yourself, about him and about others. Every issue, I'll use this phrase, is a Trinitarian issue in your life to grow you, to teach you about him, and then for you to teach others. All right, so same issues come into your life. Same struggles, same trials, whatever it is, you got a choice to make. All right, am I going to pursue my own way in this circle? Or James chapter one says, if any of you are counted all joy when you encounter various trials and pray for wisdom, that's what it says. So right there in your chart, you can see a number one right there. The first thing we have to do is pray for wisdom. I think the passage of scripture, it's not on your chart, is James chapter one, verse nine. I think it's verse nine, that's no, verse five. And also Proverbs eight and nine. Now, if you were to ask my kids, if you were to go into our home and say, what's the one thing your dad says you wish you'd quit saying? They would say, every time we walk out the door, he says, be wise, be wise. Now, the definition that I, I use for wisdom is knowing things and seeing things the way God knows them and sees them. So every day, one of my main prayers is God, give me wisdom. God, give me wisdom. That doesn't mean I'm wise every day. Some of you who know me know that perfectly well. But every situation that comes into my life, I want to be praying, God, First, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. Because if I don't pray for wisdom to see things and to know things the way God sees them and knows them, then I am already wired to see it the way I want to see it. 
You know that to be true. The children of Israel were not operating in wisdom. So they were seeing the promised land through human eyes. Only Caleb and Joshua saw it the way God saw it. Only Caleb and Joshua saw their enemies the way God saw them. One path leads to hardening. One path leads to life. So a difficult, difficult situation comes into your life, relationally, work, professionally, whatever. You will either see it with an eye focus or you, you may not even understand it, but you're praying, God, give me wisdom. Wisdom demands sometimes that I have to be quiet, that I have to be silent. That's hard for personality types like mine, but it leads to number two. And number two is a, a position, a mindset, and a heart of trust and reliance. Okay, so this is number two on that chart you have. I'm hoping you still have the chart. I mean, let me, um, well, I'll give you this passage of Scripture. Passage of scripture, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Some of you have this memorized. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And remember, the word heart is not this thing that pumps. That means trust in the Lord with the you that makes you you, the whole, your whole being. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. But trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean in your own understanding. But acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. Seek to know Him. Seek to trust Him and rely on Him. Now compare that to the bottom. If I'm spinning down here in what I see, want, think I deserve, I'm blaming others, I'm guarding and protecting and defending, I am walking into a realm of I will handle this. Now the dangerous part is we do this bottom part in church all the time. And we ask people to pray about our situation. And when we ask them to pray about our situation, we're asking them actually to agree with us and to guard with us and to protect with us and defend with us. Oftentimes, this becomes a very lonely place. So the situation comes up. God, give me wisdom. And now he is teaching you to trust him and rely on him. In this whole process, he's teaching you that he is trustworthy and that he is reliable. Down here, you're calling into question that God is trustworthy and reliable. Just the opposite is happening. The other part on there is number three is dying. Now, all throughout the scriptures, Jesus says, I'll give you a couple of uh, one passage of scripture. John chapter 30, verse 30. John says, he must increase, I must decrease. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I'm crucified with Christ, and nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Jesus says you must die to yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. This is diametrically or, or completely opposite of pursuing what I want. It's a daily dying. Now watch the prayer life of this person. Because the prayer life of someone on the bottom is saying, Lord, get rid of this person. It's very me-focused. The prayer life up here is... I may not understand why this is happening, but I'm praying for wisdom and I'm learning to trust the Lord. And in fact, the psalmist says, Lord, you are my trust. Not just I will trust in you, but you are my trust. I'm learning to rely on you and I am dying to what I think I want, see, or deserve. Now this might be the hardest step of all. 
because God is teaching you what it means to be emptied of your rights. I, I personally think that's the hardest thing about walking with Jesus is that when you come to Jesus, you die to your rights, you die to what you think is yours and, and all these issues where the Lord wants to grow you, he is showing you that even though you die to the things you want, see, or think you deserve, what he has for you is much, much more. I'm going to stop right there because the next part that I'm going to take you into, let me just write it on the board. So this whole thing is always taking place, okay? All this is taking place. This can be one short prayer. But this next part, which is waiting, is so massively important that I don't want to start getting into it and then, uh, then have to stop. So you've got the bottom of the chart, part of the top of the chart, and the next time we're together, I'll try to finish the chart with you and then it'll be done. So I appreciate your attention, even watching a video, as odd as that might have been. Let me pray with you and then we'll be done. So Father, thank you again for letting me teach this uh, chart uh, in, as in, a, in a weird sort of situation, but... I pray that we've been able to communicate, that truth has been able to be delivered, and that you would teach each one of us what it means to pray for wisdom, to trust you and rely on you, to die to ourselves, and to grow uh, when oftentimes we want to get the bottom of the chart pretty quick. So we love you. Bless these men. I pray that they would preach well as they go throughout this day, as they are the living, breathing example of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.